Uh, I had began a series a few weeks ago, and today is going to be the last talk in this series. It's called Living Connected, Experiencing Healthy Family on Mission. And the reason I've talked about this series is because God um, revealed to me as I was studying the scriptures a while back this content that I then put in a book. So there's a book in the back that I've written called Living Connected, Experiencing Healthy Family on Mission. Grab one. It's free uh, to you. If you don't have one, it's all yours. Um, But I just have taken a few weeks and kind of grabbed a few of the ideas in the book, scriptures, and brought them to the church. And I won't be teaching every week on every chapter uh, because you'd be bored of that and I'd be bored of that too. But this is the last week. So I've just grabbed a few of them. I encourage you to participate. So we've talked about things like like, uh, words and conflict. And last week we talked about uh, the importance of physical touch, uh, which some of you are now regretting that you weren't here last week. Like, that's interesting. And and here's here's why. Because... um, I believe that every one of you want to live a meaningful life. I believe that, the, that, that to live a meaningful life requires you to get in on what God's doing in the world. Okay, I, I believe that all over our city, pastors will stand up and say something like that today, or they should. And people will get excited about being in on the mission of God in this city in different ways. And they'll go home and there'll be difficulties in their home that prevent them from really having any energy to get in on what God's doing in the world. And which is one reason I talked about like conflict, for instance. So you're excited about what God wants to do in and through you in the city, but yet you go home and you have conflict with your spouse. Uh, and then, I, so, so the idea here is that that we have to work on having healthy connections with other people in our tribe, our family. And that could be your like, actual, like you and your spouse and your kids, or maybe you're not married and you're single, and maybe you and your roommate or your close group of friends, or maybe your closest, uh, work, you, you work with people that are Christians also that want to do something great for God. And so all of that fits in that category. But there is one area that I think is the most neglected area that we must think about if we are wanting to be connected in healthy ways to people that live in our home and people that are in our family. And that is the area of rest. Everybody say rest. rest. So there's a story told of an, an exploring party in Africa which had employed a group of native carriers, so actual Africans, to go with them into the interior of Africa. So there's an exploring party. They're wanting to go into the interior. They employ some natives. And the, the, the people that have employed these natives are so eager to get into the interior to reach their objective, they pushed these natives relentlessly for several days. Finally, the natives sat down and refused to go any further. Asked what the matter was, these superstitious natives replied, we're waiting for our souls to catch up with our bodies. So if I was to ask you to list three words to describe your life, what would they be? Most of you would have as one of the top three words the word busy or tired. You see, we live in a culture that forfeits rest, like real rest, to work and to play. In my observation, the average person is tired. But you do not have to live this way. You do not have to live this way. So we're going to look at the scriptures, talk about rest. And I think, again, it's one of the most, it's the most neglected area 
contributing to or taking away from healthy connections in our home. And in the end, let me tell you where we're going. I'm going to give you three application points, at least three. Here is what I'm going to challenge you to do. Here's something you can walk away with. And that is, here's my challenge. Challenge number one, every time that you are in town, you attend church on a Sunday. Every single time. No excuses. That's the first challenge. The second challenge is this, that you will write down three weekly time expenses that you need to stop or reduce. Something that's hurrying up your life that you need to stop or reduce. And the third thing I'm going to challenge you to do is to schedule some kind of rest retreat in the next four months. So this is going to be good, all right? So let's think about the scriptures, what the scriptures say about the idea of rest. Do you know that God rested? Everybody say God rested. So this is a mind-boggling truth in the creation account recorded in the book of Genesis. And it strikes me as hard to believe. It's hard to believe because God has a lot of work to do, right? (laughs) God had a lot of work to do, and he has a lot of work to do. But in the creation account, God inspired the author of the book of Genesis to record God as having rested on the seventh day after six days of work. Now, some of you may think, well, God created in six literal 24-hour periods and other six eras or six periods of time, and we're not going to debate that here. The point is that after work, God rested. He brought form and function to all things, and he spoke into existence all that we live, all that we experience in life. And he called it good, and he rested. He rested. Is anybody else struck by that? Like if there's any creature, any being in all of the universe that could go on and on and on and on and on, continue exploring, going to the interior of whatever place he's wanting to explore, it's God. But yet God rested. And some uh, theologians have reflecting on this idea that God rested, say that God is not a weary workman in need of rest, but he sets here a pattern for a man to follow. So we're going to see from the very beginning of the scriptures that before sin entered and disrupted life, rest is, was natural. This is why it's a big deal. So fast forward to the Ten Commandments, which is what Sarah read, part of the Ten Commandments. So in the list of Ten Commandments, there are things like don't murder. Can I get an amen if you like that one? Like don't murder. Amen. Don't lie. Amen. Don't have sex with someone that is not your spouse. Amen. It's very clear that this is an important list to God. God's people understand that this is how God, this is like the minimum. This isn't like the top standard that God has set out for people, the Ten Commandments. No, this is like the minimum, like the the lowest, like at least do this. And in that list, the most words are used for the command to rest. Do you know that? Exodus 20, 8 through 11. I want to read it again. Remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy, set apart. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in the six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So a day of rest was a natural part of God's original plan. Sin disrupted that plan And our tendency is to neglect rest. Listen to this. Our tendency to neglect rest is a result of the fall and sin entering into humanity. God says, for six days, work hard. And on the seventh day, rest 
from your normal, ordinary work. So it's clear in the scripture that this is something that we're supposed to do. I have preached a message like this a couple of times, and I know what's happening. I know what's happening in some of your minds. First of all, you're thinking to yourself, Russell, I can't. You don't know how busy I am or how important I am or how much responsibility that I have. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that you might be able to deal with it now. You might be able to march on that journey that you're on now, but there will be a point where your soul is so far away from your body that you are walking dead. By neglecting rest, you are inflicting pain on yourself. And if we compare it to the other commandments, it is as bad or maybe worse than lying, stealing, committing adultery, and murdering. Which we don't want to do. So we must choose Sabbath rest, is what we'll call it. Choose Sabbath rest. And we will choose Sabbath rest for three reasons. All right, here they are. First of all, we choose Sabbath rest because we believe, or at least we want to believe. Right In our head we believe, but maybe in our hearts we're having a hard time really believing. But we believe, or we want to believe, that our deepest needs will be ultimately met by Jesus. When we believe this we reject the temptation that greater success at work, more money to spend, more friends, or better entertainment will meet our deepest needs. Let me just say that again because it's so important. And some of you are in the early part of your career. And you're having to exercise this spiritual muscle. And, this, and you're learning about what it means to chase after Jesus and to love Jesus and to enjoy Jesus and to let him be the centerpiece of your life, not just one thing in your life. If you believe that success at work or money or friends or a spouse or entertainment, trips, traveling, the next show, if you believe that any of those things will meet your deepest needs, then you will work yourself into the ground trying to accumulate more of those kinds of things and you will be left empty and wanting. Now, there's nothing wrong in and of those, uh, those things by themselves, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with going to the game and enjoying it. Go Rockets tonight, game three in Golden State, seven o'clock. <laughs> nothing wrong with enjoying those things, I hope, because I'm planning on enjoying it tonight. But if you believe, or if I believe that by being entertained and kind of going to the next game and running the next thing and, and, and taking the next trip or, or, and, or making that next friend, or if any of those things are going to meet our deepest needs, then we're in trouble. The reason that we will rest and take time to rest and say no to things that we could be doing on a day of rest is because we believe that our deepest needs are met by Jesus. There are people all over this city and in our lives who are chasing after things and they become very disappointed as time goes on realizing that those things don't meet the, meet the needs that are within them. It's because they were created to, be, to know and to be known by Jesus Christ. There's a restlessness in people that we long to have met, and all of us have tried to meet that need in other ways. All of us have. But it will only happen when we find the need met by God himself. In his book, Confession, St. Augustine, who's a very famous theologian, 400, uh, about 400 A.D., 
he points to the real solution for this restlessness. And he says, thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in thee. And Jesus comes on the scene in the first century, and people are restless, people are chasing after all kinds of things, and the people that he talks to most often are the people that are chasing after religion to meet a need within them, and they're exhausted. And he says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30, he says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Uh, Let me rephrase that. All you that are chasing after something else to meet your deepest needs. Come to me, all those of you that are trying to really be perfect. Come to me, all those of you that believe that your spouse is going to meet your deepest need or some group of friends is going to meet your deepest need or some success at work is going to meet your deepest need. Come to me because you're exhausted. And here, listen to this. And I will give you rest, Jesus says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm wondering how many of you feel weary in your soul. And if you do, you know what? I have been there. I know what that feels like, and it's horrible. And maybe others don't notice. But you know it. The promise that Jesus makes is not the promise of an ordinary teacher. He invites everyone to come and to find rest for their souls. We get to take on his yoke, which is his way, his teaching, which is some of what you're doing here. A second reason that we will keep the Sabbath rest is that we realize that God is working even when we are not. We realize that God is working even when we're not. This is very important. Today, you are not at your jobs. I'm at my job. But you're not at your job. And do you know that God is working there even though you're not? He's doing what he wants. He's sorting things out according to his good and perfect will. We realize that rest for us does not mean that God is not still working. God is still working. So when we cease from ordinary work to rest and to worship God, we are trusting God to do something that is according to His will and is good for our lives. And there will always be work to do, right? (laughs) There will always be work to do. For me, there's always someone to counsel. There's always someone that doesn't know Jesus. There's always a system to fine-tune or to strengthen. Always. For you, what is it? There's always a report to be written. There's always a decision to be made. There's always a person to be managed. There's always something to learn in your studies. All of us have work that could literally drive us in the ground. But God is saying, I want you to rest. And you know this idea of Sabbath rest, it actually is meant to serve us. Matthew, or Mark chapter 2, verse 27. It, it talks about this idea that the Sabbath is meant to serve us so that we can more fully experience who God is. It enables us to work really well in the other six days. So God's not just trying to snuff you out or keep you from all the exciting things you might do on that day of work that you're actually resting instead. He's actually saying, no, you're going to be better at the other six days of work. There's a, in Jewish tradition, there's a, 
a blessing where they speak to one another, Shabbat Shalom. And it literally means, may your day of no work be peaceful. They speak it to one another on the Sabbath day. Shabbat Shalom. May your day of no work be peaceful. The person that heard this would respond by saying, may your day of no work be peaceful as well. That's the idea, right? By resting, what we're doing is we're letting our souls catch up with our bodies so that the other six days we can more fully work whatever God has put before us to do. Uh, Rest is so important. So, uh, believe it or not, a few years ago, um, I competed in triathlon. Raise your hand if you've ever done a triathlon. Triathlon is where you um, swim, bike, run. And so I first started doing it, actually, because I was invited in by some friends who I had told that I was trying to get in better shape, and so I started swimming. I just was like, I went for a swim, I told the story, and they were like, oh, okay, cool, you got to do triathlon, and, uh, which is a big jump. But anyway, so I started out with a 400-yard swim, the 20-mile bike, and the three-mile run, and, uh, and I enjoyed it, right? And then um, somebody said to me, well, you ought you to train for a longer distance. So it goes sprint, Olympic, half Ironman, and Ironman. And I thought, you know, I could try a longer distance. Well, uh, I was really enjoying it. And it's kind of funny, actually, because most triathletes are not over 200 pounds, which I am, um, by several pizzas. And, um, and I loved it competing because they had a category for those that were over 200 pounds, which I think actually now it's to over 220 pounds, which I would still be in. Don't judge. And, uh, and they called us the Clydesdales. That's what they called us, the Clydesdales. And uh, anytime the Clydesdales, it was our heat, and to begin, we'd get into the water, and the announcer would make some joke about how high the water had risen because all the Clydesdales were in the water to begin to swim. Anyway, so somebody said to me, so I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that challenge. Um, and uh, so somebody said to me, you ought, you, ought to try out for, you, ought to, you ought to set your eyes on an Ironman. Here's what an Ironman is. An Ironman is a 2.4-mile swim. 112-mile bike and a 26.3-mile run. So I was in a meeting uh, a few months ago, and there was some guy that just completed a marathon, and he was kind of bragging about it, like I'm about to. And uh, he was kind of bragging about it, kind of going around the table, and he was like, so, you know, Russ, you ever done uh, a marathon? And I said, you know, just once, and it was right after I rode my bike for 112 miles and swam for 2.4. Boom, you know. (laughs) And, um, And so... Uh, you know, anyway, so, so, so I started training for this deal, and it's like one of those deals that you train, you, you know, okay, year out, I'm doing a do it a year out. Well, I started training, working hard, and all this kind of stuff, and I started, get, I got this pain in my, in my leg, and uh, I wanted to ignore it. I wanted to ignore it, but I couldn't ignore it, because I mean, I was already in, and it was starting to affect my training, and, and I thought I need to train more, train more, work harder, stretch more, train more, train more, and just work, 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 and this pain got worse, 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 so I went and saw the doctor. And the doctor said, you're overtraining. You're working too hard. I said, what? i got to get ready. I'm about to jump into the ocean, swim 2.4 miles with 3,000 other people, and then bike 112 and run 26.3 miles. And i got to do all this within 17 hours. One day. I've only got one day. And I'm like freaking out. He's like, you have got to rest to let your body recover from when you train. So you work and you rest. And you work and you rest. And if you do it any other way, you are not going to finish the race. Can I get a witness up in this place? You know, that's how life is. And so functionally, and I did, I finished 13 hours and 40 minutes. I'll never forget one of the greatest moments of my life. And I went out across that finish line and said, Russell Cravens, you are an Ironman. It was amazing. 
And, uh, and it taught me something about the way that God has fi- fi- fixed our bodies, but it's something more important about the way he's fixed our souls. And that is that you work, you rest, you work, you rest. If you do not, you are dead. And, and, and some of you are young enough that you don't believe me. But I'm telling you, I'm 42. I just turned 42. I appreciate uh, you still have time to get me my birthday presents. Um, but 42 is telling me, Russell, you have got to rest. If you don't, you can't function like you did at 25 or 30 or 35 even. Work, rest, work, rest. It's what enables us, the rest, to work the other six days and be about what God wants us to be about. Some of you are too tired, you're too worn out, and that's keeping you from being able to connect with your spouse in the way that you could, connect with your kids in the way that you could, connect with your friends in the way that you could because you're working yourself into the ground and you can't be present. Third reason that we Sabbath is this. We understand that weekly Sabbath is commanded by God. So not just it's a good idea, but it's actually commanded by God. One reason it's commanded by God because he wants us to prioritize worship, Sunday morning worship. The research is showing that even people that are serious about their faith are attending Sunday morning worship less and less. We used to talk about, you know, there was a day in the life of the church where if you were like committed to Christ, you went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I grew up in a church like that, and I'm grateful that it's not like that anymore, frankly. But now we're looking at, okay, what's it like for, to lead a church where people come once a month or twice a month? And what I'm saying is like, it's because people don't understand that the command of God is this. Sabbath worship is a priority. So resting is not just about taking a break and laying down in your bed, although the, hopefully that's a part of it, right? Sunday nap, amen. But it's about stopping from ordinary work so that we can go, God, thank you for who you are. God, here's a burden I'm bringing before you this morning, Lord, that, that came up in the last six days. Or here's a need that I have, Lord, and I want to worship you, and I'm thanking you for providing work, providing friends, providing money, providing all these things. And God, I know you're working even though I'm not working. And God, here are my songs to you. Here's my heart. What do you want to teach me by the opening of God's word? That's what Sabbath worship is about. And um, this is the proverbial preaching of the choir, right? Because you're here. But we want, as a church, for people to obey God's word. And God's word is very clear about this idea of Sabbath worship and prioritizing rest. But not just rest for, like, rest's sake, but rest so that we can pause and let God work and thank God and bring offerings to God and worship God for all that he's done the other six days. You could skip church. But that's a mistake. And let me tell you something. I've noticed this. 20 years of ministry. Here's what I noticed. If you are skipping church, you are drifting in your faith. I have seen it. It's not about being legalistic. You don't get more crowns in heaven if you come on Sunday morning. But let me tell you something. I've seen it time and time again. If you do not prioritize church and attending church to hear God's word and sing songs to God, then you are drifting spiritually. When somebody is not attending here, and they start missing two and three weeks in a row. Here's what I know what's going on. They're drifting in their faith. I've seen it 100,000 times. Right now in the life of our church, there are people that are like, okay, where are they? Where have they been? What's happening spiritually to them is they're drifting. There's other things that are getting their attention. Entertainment, maybe. It's a big one. Work. Success. Money. Friends. We Sabbath rest because it's commanded by God. We know that it's an opportunity for our souls to catch up with our body. Will you obey? I believe that, that all of us must. 
You say, okay, Russell, you got me. I fell short. You know, here's the beautiful thing about the good news of the Bible. When we fall short of the standard God has put out, it is a declaration of our need for Jesus. You see, none of you are going to rest and obey this command perfectly. None of you are. I certainly don't. And in those moments where we fall short and we recognize that we fall short, what we realize is that we're imperfect and we need a perfect Savior. This is the kind of thing that draws us more deeply into our relationship with Christ and go, God, no wonder you sent Jesus to die on a cross because I'm a sinner. I'm in need of grace and forgiveness. And so I accept. I accept that forgiveness. I accept that grace. And so I want to obey your word not to earn your forgiveness. I want to obey your word in response to your forgiveness for the times that I fall short. Did you hear that? That's the gospel. We obey God's word not to earn his forgiveness of our sin. We obey God's word. In this instance, the command to rest, to worship, we, we obey this in response to the fact that though we're not perfect, God has forgiven our sin through Christ. That's the Christian gospel. And that's really, really good news. So you say, what do I do first? I would say the first thing you need to do is say, God, I've fallen short and I need Jesus. Some of you have already crossed over the line of faith and you've acknowledged your sin before God. You've become a Christian. You've been saved or born again. Others of you have not. If you have not, today's the day. Let today be the day where you become a Christian. You become a Christ follower. I'm not asking you to become religious. I'm asking you to be someone who chases after Christ because he's chasing after you. And then very practically, here are a few things that you can do to prioritize and to obey this command. First of all, make a list. Make a list of what depletes you. What what, what do you spend your time on? You, You know what tends to deplete me that I spend my time on that's a waste? I spend too much time reading the news. It's just so easy to read Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Fox News, CNN. And I, read, I like being informed about what's going on in the world. I spend too much time. There's a point at which I don't care who was at the royal wedding. You know, like it doesn't really matter what they were wearing. I mean, some of y'all it matters. But to me, I'm like, what am I doing? There's people that are dying and going to hell right now. And all I'm concerned about is the fact that his ex-girlfriend is at the wedding. That's something that depletes me. I mean, it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with learning and enjoying some of that kind of stuff. Or, or, or you know, I, I know which of my friends heard Laurel and which heard Yanni. I'm like, who cares? I mean, they're posting on Facebook, and we're making deductions as pastors as to whose churches are more spiritual based on it. So, so make a list of what depletes you. Maybe for you, some of you spend too much time online. I'm sure I'm the only one. Um, but, but, you know, whatever. What depletes you? You know what? Another way you can look at it, what depletes you because you need to rest, is there are some things that deplete me that would not deplete another person. It depletes me to do little projects around my house. It does. It depletes me. That's changed a little bit for me. And so some of you all can go home on a day of rest, and you can do little projects around your house, and that's refreshing to you. Are any of you like that? Any of you like that? I'm not like that really anymore. Uh, it depletes me to go on a long car ride with my kids. That's just, I just want to get that in the notes. Um, so write down three things that deplete you that you spend your time on and stop those things or reduce those things and choose instead rest. And that which means that you've got to make a list of things that refresh you. 
Priority number one as you're budgeting your time of rest is church. You've got to make church a priority. Make Sunday morning a priority. Make your loop group a priority, which is our small groups that we have. Make those a priority. And if those aren't refreshing to you, tell us why so we can make some adjustments because we want it to be refreshing to you. All right? Every time that you're in town, by the way, on the list of things that refresh you, I just want to say this again. Every time you're in town, you ought to be at church. Make a list of other things that refresh you so you can do in your days of rest. You know what? I enjoy exercising. Any others out there are crazy? Like enjoy exercise. To me, it's very refreshing to exercise. Since I hurt my shoulder, the most exercise I have gotten, yesterday I was laying on my bed and I put my left arm slightly above my head. And I'm like, one. You know. <laughs> Come on, push it out. Push it out, Russell. Pump it out. I have my sweat, my, my, my you know, sweatband on. I'm like, one. Did it. But for me, I love exercising. It's refreshing to me. Jeannie and I will go away for a, the weekend. You know what Jeannie does? She, she lays and reads. She reads fiction. To me, that's not refreshing at all. That's like a complete waste of time. But my wife finds it to be very refreshing. She can do that. You know what I do? I'll go exercise. She like, we came all the way to San Francisco, and you're going to go exercise? I'm like, yeah, I find it refreshing. What is the thing that, re- that refreshes you? You know what I also like doing? Just throwing out ideas here. Is I like finding a place under a tree somewhere in the country and sitting on a hammock. That's refreshing to me. Being around certain friends is refreshing to me. So I love my loop group. Some of y'all are in my loop group. I love y'all. And, and, um, and having you in my home is, uh, is refreshing to me. There's something restful about that community and those love and that relationships. Make a list of what, so, so make a list of what depletes you, just two or three things. Make a list of what refreshes you and, and s- slow down or stop doing the things that deplete you on your day of rest and, or, and add to the things that refresh you. That'll help you rest. So you want to budget your time. So look at your week and do those things. That's how we obey this command to rest. It's very real, very practical. And ultimately success will do this. It'll strengthen your marriage. It'll se- strengthen your relationship with your kids. It'll strengthen your relationship with your Christian friends. It'll strengthen your relationship with your neighbors. And you will be able to be more about the mission of God in the world. I promise you this. If you do not do it, here's what you're going to do. Your soul is going to get so far connected from your body that you're going to die physically or you're going to be a miserable person to be around. Don't be that person. Sabbath rest. Let's all obey this command together. All right, let's pray on and think about these things. Would you bow your head? So with your head bowed, first of all, I want to say those, to those of you who have not yet crossed over the line of faith, do it today. You say, well, I'm not really all that religious. This isn't about religion. This is about a holy God who knows you and loves you and wants for you to turn to him. Your sin separates you from him, but he's made a way He sent Jesus to die on a cross. When Jesus died on the cross, it paid a penalty for your sin that you cannot pay on your own. All you have to do is accept it. Turn in faith to God through Jesus Christ. Do it today. Become a Christian. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If that's you, if you've made that decision, make sure you let us know. There's a connect card in your seat, and you put on there, hey, I became a Christian, and I, and I want to know what I do next. For those of you that have crossed over the line of faith, you're, you're kind of wondering, um, how am I going to spend my time? What am I supposed to do? What's important? This is a very clear command of God. Sabbath rest 
It's a gift to you. It's meant to serve you. Some of you are working seven days a week and you're running yourself into the ground and you think that you can do it, but you cannot do it forever. And you say, Russell, well, you don't know how busy I am or how important I am. You're right, I don't. But you know who does? God knows. Rest. Maybe we all obey this command as individuals, as families, and as a church family. 